You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Okay, here we go. Hello, Mel. Good to have you here. Hi, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here with you on Lead to Soar today. Well, we're doing something that's, well, put it this way, I've been doing for a long, long time, and you're going to walk through this today with me, but it's something that we regularly ask our members of the Lead to Soar Network and others to do, and that's called Stop, Breathe, Reflect. So when I first say those three words to you, Mel, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? (laughs) Well, so what comes to mind is, oh, I should really do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that what we're emphasizing for our listeners is to do this with some regularity. And I'll be the first to admit that I don't, have a regular practice of this, that's a problem, right? So I wanted to just really quickly share a quote from a woman called Elizabeth King. And she said, process saves us from the poverty of our intentions. And so I'm just acknowledging here that I recognize there needs to be a practice of this. And I am here here for the coaching, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we're having a live on-air coaching session, listeners. There you go. This is what we're here to do. We're here to provide you with not just our views on things, but also actionable insights. And yeah, this coaching is, is super important. Let's start at the start. And yes, of course, dear listeners, I'm going to use some anecdotes from you know, as I say, I, I often learn and talk about my epic fails rather than my wins because you learn a lot from failure. And I certainly was not a person that had built reflection or reflective practices in my day-to-day life. And I've talked before about how I hit a pretty major crossroads from my mental health, my career, and I guess myself as a person when I hit 40 or just in the year after I turned 40. And, you know, that resulted in a whole bunch of different things. And that quite honestly, it's probably why I sit here with you, Mel, and doing the work that we're doing, because I know I started that process back then. And one of those things that I learned to do was meditation. Another thing was learning, not just meditation, because I really struggled with the concept of meditation, but mindfulness. And I've been a real fan of mindfulness. Now, this is not a, we're not saying go out and buy a pyramid and sit under it and have stones around you and whatever. I mean, if that's your your jam, great, do it. But the more I benefited from these practices, and then I learned the, the business, you know, around reflection, the more I realized, gee whiz, this is really powerful. So I started to look at what was going on here. When I was doing my MBA, particularly the unit on leadership, I did a lot of reading, obviously. And one of the the many things that I read was research saying that, number one, people who stop, people who take the time regularly to stop, breathe and reflect. And what we mean by reflect is, where am I now? What's got me here? What still serves me? 
what no longer serves me. So you're looking at a little bit like in business, you look at past performance as an indicator of potential future performance. So the people who regularly take time to do that, leaders can lift their performance quite significantly. And the other piece of data that I came across was from an executive coach who said, the people who are the worst to coach, in fact, are uncoachable, are those who don't take the time to reflect on where they've come from, where they are now, and where whatever there is, where their next is. So I want to make a couple of points that this is not, as we said, sitting in a circle, holding hands, singing Kumbaya. This is about saying, how do I get off the hamster wheel to really reflect on where I am right now, where I've come from, what serves me, what no longer serves me. So this is the the whole benefit of, of stop, breathe, reflect, but it takes effort. And I agree with your quote, Mel, it's a process. So a couple of questions for you, Mel. So I've just said to you that people who reflect improve their performance. People who make a process out of reflecting improve their performance. The most successful leaders make time for reflection. So if that's the case, what's getting in the way of doing more of it or making it systematic in your life? Mm. Okay. So I want to say here that listeners, I have the benefit of seeing some of Michelle's notes. And one of the things that caught my attention in the notes on this topic is that reflection is an undervalued characteristic of leaders. And when I read that, I I just thought to myself, you know, I've never even heard reflection discussed in the context of leaders and leadership. So want to throw that out there. So what gets in the way? I've read several books on habits and habit formation and books, of course, like Atomic Habits by James Clear and The Practice by Seth Godin. And I've got some of these tools now in my tool belt. And I still struggle with some of the actual implementation. And sometimes things in life can crop up that we're not anticipating and we really get thrown off of maybe a track or where we were doing well. So your question though makes me think about this invention that listeners out there, do you know Simone Yetch? She was formerly known as the shitty robot girl. She invented this wonderful device that I think you can actually go and purchase it now. And it has 365 buttons on it. They're all numbered. And when you push the button, it lights up behind it and it stays lit. And the story behind it, you can go and see her her YouTube video on it. Simone wanted to develop this practice of meditation and she needed something visual, like a physical thing that she could interact with to kind of have that reminder, not only to do it, but also kind of tracking progress along the way. I love that story. So maybe there are other tools out there like Simone's invention that can help you when you're trying to start implement something. So what gets in the way? All kinds of things get in the way. And one of the questions that you have down here, so dear listeners, does this sound familiar? Do you catch yourself saying, I'm just too busy. 
But then you really can't account for what you've done at work besides go to meetings and respond to emails. Yep. Sounds a little familiar. And that sounds like Michelle's <laughs> previous version. Yep. So you're busy. You're busy. Okay. What else gets in the way? What else gets in the way? Let me lead the witness a little bit here then. Do you know what the process is? Do you know how to reflect? For me, I believe that a lot of reflection has to happen in writing. It can. I think that's what works best for me personally. So I think my own experience and, of course, the the reading is, yes, the things that get in the way, I'm too busy to stop. I'm too busy to stop and reflect. And, you know, really, is this just a bit of navel-gazing? It feels a bit self-indulgent. Like, really, Michelle, really? (laughs) I don't think that I'm the person who says I'm too busy. Not anymore, because I have really gotten a grasp on, as Tiffany Dufou would say, you know, where to drop the ball, right? Yep. I think more what happens to me when it comes to the reflection specifically is I'll distract myself with something. I'll be like, well, I could just do this little chore and then I'll do another chore and then I'll tack something else onto it. I'll procrastinate. Yes. So barrier number one is busy. Barrier number two is potentially the process and also finding something that works for you because there's all different ways of reflection, as you've just said. So let's come back to the why this is so important. Listeners, I want to give you two elements to this. One is reflection on yourself. Who am I? Where have I come from? Where am I going to? What's got me here? What no longer serves me? What still serves me? The other thing is to lift it up to your leadership and the way you lead teams. And particularly, well, we've just done a podcast on meetings, but the way we have really powerful meetings where humans get an opportunity to think together, to decide together, and building reflective process into your leadership rhythm is a very, very good thing to do. And I've got a couple of of examples where I've been on very, very effective boards. Okay, listen, I want to hear this because as you're describing this, I'm just thinking about one of the consultancies I worked in where to the point of that meetings podcast, there was a real culture of busyness, too many meetings, back-to-back meetings, invite too many people, keep people busy in these meetings. And you're not reflecting when you're on a Zoom call. You're fidgeting, you're multitasking. It's it's a terrible sort of way to run an organization. So I want to hear this. All right. Let's do personal first. And this can be very, very easy. Number one is to commit to the process, obviously. And the process itself can be a whole bunch of different things. We're going to share some stuff towards the end. I mean, we've got a process. We actually have something that we're going to share with you to help you kick off what might work for you. So I want to be really clear, dear listeners, that what I'm sharing with you today, the method that I use is good for me, but you might need to find a few different methods. But You're right, Mel. Journaling or writing stuff down is very, very useful. And my commitment to reflection is is very solid. And I know that because it's it's important for me as a leader. It's important for me as a businesswoman with a couple of different businesses because I want to be strategic. I want to run my life, not my life run me. So this is a really important part of me being deliberate and intentional about what I'm working on. So Number one, I'm very clear about 
what it is that I'm working on. So I, you know, people know my job in the world, why I'm here is to close the global leadership gender gap. I've got sort of three or four pillars of activity that I work on at any given time. My DEI consultancy, lead to SOAR, my women in sport advocacy and broader advocacy for gender equality. So number one, I'm very, very clear on those pillars that I work on. And my reflection process is from a business perspective, it's usually about once every three or four months. And I go, right, where am I? Am I working on the things I should be working on? If not, why not? So on and so forth. And I write it down and I've got a couple of methods. But for any of you who have ever reached crossroads, you know, this is also a good way of staying really in tune with yourself. So get yourself into a position where you are on your own. I'm not going to say turn off all your digital stuff because I actually write my notes in my notes thing on my phone. So, you know, do whatever, but try and remove your distractions. If it works for you, do some rhythmic breathing or deep breathing exercises or do a meditation or listen to your favorite song, your favorite relaxing song, go for a walk, whatever it may be, but cut off from busyness, do a cut off exercise and then be in the space where you're really focusing on yourself. And then ask yourself some questions. Look, I've already said a couple of them. Where am I now? And if you want to use the good old crap to awesome scale, which we love so much, where am I now? And am I happy with that? Zero is crap. Ten is awesome. Give yourself a rating. Okay. So if my rating's not eight, nine or ten, let me ask, am I happy about that? Why am I in this position? What am I feeling? Why have I got here? Or why am I here? Then the next question is, as I've said before, what's serving me and what's not serving me? And this is not necessarily about getting a whole bunch of actions and an action plan right now, but it's giving yourself time to think what's good for me, what's not good for me at the moment. And really just sit and think about it for 10 minutes and then write. Now, that's a very tactical, where am I right now? There are deeper sessions and we're going to, as I said, we're going to share our approach to stop, breathe, reflect, which is what I often share with our members in Lead to Soar when they are at a crossroads. And it's really thinking about, well, I'm going to get off the hamster wheel and really think about who am I? How do I show up? How do I want to show up from now on? What am I really great at? What are my talents? What are my strengths? What do I love to do? But importantly, if I had to think about the next one day, one week, one month, one year, what do I really want to be doing more of? And what do I really want to be doing less of? And then what am I going to do about that? So this is just thinking, but thinking with a very programmatic way a standard set of questions that you can start to say, I'm going to ask myself these questions once a month, once a quarter, at least half yearly, please at least once a year. (laughs) So find those questions that resonate with you that you think, yeah, I can do that. And it doesn't have to be a list of 10 or 20 questions. If you want to do that, that's fine. But where am I now? And am I happy with that? If not, what's not working? If so, what is working? Because of course, for some of us, this is about saying, I want to keep doing the things that really matter to me. And I want to be more intentional and deliberate about doing that. And that's at the very heart of it, Mel. That's a very basic reflective process. It's just giving yourself time to think about yourself, to pay attention 
to the thoughts that come through your mind, the feelings that they create, and again, what you want to do more of and what you want to do less of. From regular reflective practice like that, you can start being more intentional and deliberate about what's working for you. And then, of course, eliminating where you can the things that are not working for you, whether it's your career, your health, your relationships, whatever it may be. But really important that we start paying attention to these things that are working and not working so we can do something about it. Okay, I want to ask you for your anecdote or or some past experience to illustrate some of this. But before you do that, maybe talk to us a little bit about as we're doing this reflection and we realize something's not working, what if we're having trouble identifying why something is not working? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, holding up the mirror is difficult. And I will use a story to illustrate how difficult that can be. And I have shared this story before, but one around that time in my early 40s, when I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating well, I was smoking a lot when in the days that I still smoked, I was drinking a lot. And I went to my doctor to say, could I have some sleeping pills, please, because I'm not sleeping. And she said, hmm, tell me five things that make you happy. And I went, what? (laughs) And I was furious. And she said, I want to know five things that make you happy. And I said, just give me the damn pills. (laughs) And she said, go away, write down five things that make you happy. I'll see you in a week. When I see the five things, we'll talk about whether you really need sleeping tablets or not. I can just imagine you being... (laughs) You can imagine. I was very angry because I am used to getting my own way. And I was furious. So I went away and I wrote down five damn things that make me happy. And, of course, I couldn't. I couldn't write down five. I could barely write down two, which was a major, major awakening for me. Because, And, of course, there was lots of tears. And, and I went, oh, hell's bells, not the words I used. I don't know what makes me happy. If I don't know what makes me happy, I'm not doing the things that make me happy. Therefore, I'm not happy. (laughs) So this is why I'm not sleeping and why I'm self-medicating on alcohol and cigarettes. And so, of course, I went back a week later. I was tail between my legs. And she said, right, so there's no sleeping tablets needed here. But what I want you to do is I want you to go to a psychologist. I want you to go to a counsellor. And that started a process which was the most significantly profound change that I made in my life ever, one of them. Now, I'm not suggesting all of you need to rush out and get a counsellor or therapy, but the reality was I spent 12, 18 months for 90 minutes every week with this amazing woman called Chris, who really just made me reflect every single week. It was my to stop, breathe and reflect and learn about myself, learn about the things that worked for me and learn strategies to manage the things that didn't work for me because we can't eliminate everything that doesn't work for us. For those of you in risk management in organisations, you know, you've got to manage or mitigate. And I learned how to manage and mitigate the things that do crop up and don't work for me. So that was a profound experience. I've also seen it in the workplace, Mel. And and again, I think I've shared this story of of a boss or two-up boss I had. He was the managing director of, of our division who used to spend at least 
30 minutes to an hour every single afternoon. We worked in an open office in this amazing building in Melbourne here called the Rialto Towers and all glass windows. The, at the time, it was a, the tallest building in Melbourne. And he used to spend the afternoon, this 30 minutes to an hour, with his back to everyone just gazing out the glass windows. And everyone knew you didn't go near this person during that time. And I was eventually brave enough to say to my boss, well, you know, what's going on here? He's not very busy. What's he doing? He said, Michelle, that's his time to think. It's his time to think deeply, to reflect on what's happened in the day, what needs to happen. And so at the time, I didn't take the lesson because I mean, oh, what a load of rubbish. But that's, he was taking the time to go, are we heading in the right direction? Is what we've done today, yesterday, and what we're planning to do tomorrow in line with our strategy, blah, 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 blah. And, and I imagine there was some self-reflection in there, but that was a really a strong demonstration of really, of frankly, quite forward-thinking leadership for the time because this is like in the early 2000s. So, you know, you can build it into your leadership practice. And, of course, leadership casts a long shadow. Monkey see, monkey do. Unfortunately, this monkey didn't do at that point because I didn't learn the lesson. But that baking in time, he did it every day. But let me reflect. Has this week gone well? If so, why so? If not, why not? Then how can I tweak the way I'm doing things or where and how I show up next week at work based on what I've learned from this week? If we don't stop to learn, we're not going to change and nothing will change. You know the old saying, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So that's another example of where you can bring it to leadership. And then I'll talk about how we can build it into the, the meeting things in a moment. So what do you think about that, Mel? Do you think that's something you could have a go at? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have a go. For those of you thinking, oh, I don't know about this malarkey, just spend 10 minutes one day in the next couple of days and say, what do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? And just allow yourself to think that and then write. You don't have to do anything about it straight away, but just build that practice in. And I can guarantee you at some point, if you're committed to it, answers will start to come to you. And sometimes our answers come to us in our own behaviours that suddenly start to mirror what we want to do more of and what we want to do less of. You'll find yourself saying, I'm not going to go to that thing because it doesn't serve me. I am going to show up for this thing because it does serve me and my goals. So less of, more of. Listeners, I don't know if this will resonate with any of you, but I know sometimes in my mind, I'm almost afraid of what I'll find out in my reflection. I know that that's been part of the truth for me recently is I'm, I'm afraid I'll learn something really uncomfortable when I sit down to answer this question for myself. So that's real. And I'm still going to with Michelle's encouragement, uh, I'm going to take up the courage to answer some of those tough questions anyway. Mel, the truth is you will find some uncomfortable truths. And again, an uncomfortable truth that I surfaced was I was a corporate person. I was going to be the CEO of an Australian company. And I was on the, the track. I was on the C-suite track. That was what I'd been committed to for all of my career until I wasn't. I am 
very, very committed to it because I know how much it, it is good for me. My reflective processes helped me over a number of months to realize that this long held dream of mine wasn't my dream anymore and that it was perhaps some other people's dreams. Perhaps it was no one else's dream but mine, but it just, I wasn't going to be the CEO of an Australian company anymore. Oh, oh. I was no longer a corporate animal. I didn't want to do this anymore because I had found my true calling, which is what I do now. But it took me a long time. And when I say a long time, it took me nearly six months to say out loud, I don't want what I've been so ambitious for. And there's a lot of ego tied up in that and status, money. (laughs) But had I not spent the time to really, really ask myself some of these questions, maybe I'd still be toiling away in corporate Australia. Maybe I'd be a COO or in the C-suite or a CEO. Maybe I would be. But, you know, I would be doing perhaps that one thing that's always driven me as a human, which is I never want to say what if. I never want to have regrets about stuff I didn't do. So, and it was really tough. It was really tough because I went, I've been on this track my entire career. Right, right. And I want to say it is really brave to change, to change your mind. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we can see changes like that happen at different points in our life at different points in our maturity, for sure. I'm probably having one of those moments right now, changing direction at a crossroads. But Michelle, I wonder if you would just talk to us about that more. Are there other sort of changes you've seen in yourself and in your mindset, shifting directions in your life or career that resonate here? Yeah, look, I think that's a pretty major one. And that's not going to happen for everyone. And I recognize that. And, you know, I also acknowledge my privilege and all of the advantages that I have that were able to make me make some decisions. But at a, I guess, a a more micro level, one of the other things that I did was help get someone else to help me reflect. I'd been about, I don't know, a year running my own business. And kind of puddling around and and not necessarily being as strategic and focused as I could. And I needed a bit of a wake-up call. And I knew in my heart of hearts I wasn't working as hard and as strategically as I could. I was doing some fun stuff, Mel. I was doing fun stuff that didn't pay me money. And my lovely wife, as always said, gave me a bit of a wake-up call. She said, Misha, show me what the rest of the year looks like for you in terms of activity, your pipeline, where are you going to have impact? And again, I couldn't really answer the question. I was a bit irritated because, you know, sometimes we hear stuff about ourselves and you go, shoot, someone's onto me. So I got my friend Judy, who's a strategist. I said, Judy, I need your help to replan my strategy for my business and whatever. And honestly, Judy's awesome. She just said, do you really? Do you do that? And I said, I need you. And she said, right, let's do an exercise in reflection. And she got the whiteboard out. She drew three columns, three blank columns. And she said, I want you to tell me one column is the stuff that makes money. One column is 
the stuff that has impact and makes a little bit of money. And the third column is the stuff you love to do and makes you no money. And she said, let's put what you're doing every week and every month into each column. And of course, what happened? I was doing a whole bunch of stuff that was fun and didn't generate revenue for my business. I was doing a little bit of stuff and not enough of the stuff that was really, A, that that would make my business successful and B, have the impact against my, you know, my goal. So that was a reflective exercise to say, what are you doing? Let's map your activities against your goals. Let's reflect on what you're doing. And so Judy helped me from a business perspective, get very, very focused on what I needed to do more of and what I needed to do less of. But also part of that dawning realization was when I do more of the things that generate income and have impact, I've then got the opportunity to do more of the things that I love as well, because I've got the financial capacity, et cetera, to support. For me, it's around, you know, supporting women and girls in sport and things like that. So, you know, reflection takes all sorts of different formats. But the reality is you've got to stop, take a breath, a number of breaths, then reflect. That stop, be deliberate, stop. Get off the hamster wheel, do some breathing. Now reflect, where am I? Where do I want to go? Where have I come from? What still serves me? What no longer serves me? And what am I going to do about that? It's as simple as that. As I said, we've got lots of different questions that, you know, you find the thing that works for you. And in business, it's incredibly important, incredibly important that we build reflective practice into business because it doesn't happen systematically. This reminds me of a, I'm going to get the quote off a little bit but it reminds me of a little cartoon that someone is is asking the in, the enlightened one you know i don't have 10 minutes to meditate what should i do and the, the enlightened one responds well then you should probably meditate for an hour yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and just very quickly i want to touch on building uh, reflective practice into your leadership cadence. So things that work really well for me and that I've learned from others who are great meeting facilitators is to have a reflection at the end of a meeting. And this is not just going around the whole table. You appoint an observer for the meeting. So a participant in the meeting who is going to watch, to observe, to make notes on how the meeting went. And we're going to cover a little bit of this when we talk about how to run inclusive meetings in a later episode. But the principle is that you have someone who's really, their job is to watch. Yes, they're participating, but they're going to play back. What is it that we just did? And not just the you know run sheet. So I heard, I observed, and this means. So building that reflective practice, even into meetings. So have an observer and have that person hold up the mirror to all of us at the end of a meeting to say, this is what happened in the meeting. These are my observations. Now, of course, it's highly subjective and you rotate this role, but it's, it's, I find it very, very effective. I've, I see it work in one of my clients, one of my DEI clients, they have an observer and someone who does the reflection at the end of every group diversity council meeting every month. It's super effective. And I find really interesting different styles and people do it different ways but you you often pick up a nugget you think oh yes 
I hadn't really paid attention to that, but gee, yes, that was a really good thing. I'm going to take that nugget and use it. So that is a very, very good practice. And of course, we see it in some project management methodologies. We do retros, you know, we do a reflective process to say what worked and what didn't work and how do we change our approach for the next project or the next initiative so that we don't do what didn't work and we do more of what did work you know, the retro, the reflective, whatever you want to call it. Let's stop, breathe and reflect, not just keep hurtling from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. This is where reflective practice is super, super important. And we've got a couple of resources for listeners. Can you tell us about those? Yes. So I have one to help you start. It's called quite simply, stop, breathe, reflect. We'll share that. And it's It's a practical guide to self-reflection. It gives a little blurb about why this is important and how to get ready to reflect and then some suggested questions. And some of this is about some of this deep stuff. But again, pick the questions that make sense to you or potentially will help you answer the questions that you're pondering. The other thing is our life audit tool. This is where I use the crap to awesome scale. I want you, you know, what we get you to do is do an audit of a whole bunch of elements in your life and say, okay, on a, you know, scale of one to 10, zero crap, 10 awesome. Where am I for each one of these? And then what am I going to do about that? And some of that, what are you going to do about it then forms part of your reflective practice. So yeah, we'll share both those tools. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for all of the wisdom today, Michelle. This has been a wonderful discussion. Yeah, thanks, Mel. And thanks for being such a willing coachee. Because again, remember (laughs) that people that are the most difficult for executive coaches are those who don't take time to self-reflect. So please build it into your practices, um, dear listeners. Right. All right. Thanks. We'll see you all later. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.